Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message Tom Job gave on Christmas Day, December 25th, 2022, from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5 and Luke chapter 2. You know one thing that's super sweet about Christmas on Sunday? It's just you have a feeling of, like, it's just over. Like, all the rushing around. I mean... I don't know if y'all feel like I have just been rushing around so fast, like in the last month, trying to be here and there, not able to be everywhere. If you think that's bad, I was reading the other day, it was like these scientists and they were figuring out how fast does Santa Claus have to go, like to get everywhere he's going, so. But they figured there's under seven, there are 378 million Christian children in the world, under seven. At 3.5 kids per household, that's 91.8 million homes that he would have to visit on Christmas Eve if he went like east to west and took advantage of the time zones. He has 31 hours to do it. So it's 822.6 visits per second. So Santa Claus would have to go 650 miles per second, which is 3,000 times the speed of sound. So um, (laughs) you think, don't you feel just better about yourself? There's one thing that would would complicate it, and that is if he ate one cookie and one glass of milk per home, that would be 20,655,000,000 calories. And in the course of 31 hours, he would gain 5,988,000 pounds. And so that would slow you down quite a bit. But, you know, but I was just thinking about like Joseph and Mary like on their way to Bethlehem. They didn't see this coming. And it's just like, why? You know, Joseph is like, why do we have to go so fast? And Mary's like, you want me to tell you why we need to hurry about, but you know, but he's just like, you know, why did it have to be this way? Like, why did God have to allow it to be this way? We could have, why couldn't we just have stayed home and had a home birth with, my mom would have helped us and my granny would have, would have helped us, but instead we have to rush so fast and try to get down to Bethlehem. And why does it have to be such a rush and why did it have to be this way? We don't know anybody really down there and what it's going to be like and we're going into unknown stuff and it's just such a hurry. Why do I have to go in such a hurry? And in the meantime, waiting for them, they didn't know it, but there were shepherds in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And there were probably some of them thinking, why does it always have to be this way? Like this, my life is the most boring life I know. Like nothing ever changes. It's always the same, same old sheep, same old colleagues, same old fields, same old thing, day after day after day my life is so boring you know the reason joseph and mary were on their way to bethlehem and all the roman world was in an upheaval and everybody trying to go somewhere was because the emperor the most powerful dictator in the world had said that in order to have a more efficient tax or tax um, system everybody had to go to their ancestral home so joseph and mary like their ancestral home was was they were from the family of King David, but that's going back a thousand years. Like we have to go back a thousand years to the ancestors, our ancestors a thousand years ago. And the only people who didn't go anywhere were the shepherds. I mean, 
my dad did this, my granddad did this, my great-granddad did this, my great-great-great-granddad did this, my great-great-great-great-great-granddad did this, all the way back a thousand years, they all did the same thing in these same fields with the great, with the sheep, the grand sheep, the great-great-grand sheep, you know, all of it, all of it, you know, all of it. There's a show, uh, there's a show Tim and I love to watch on PBS, it's called Finding Your Roots, where they take like famous people. They said, do you know anything about your grandparents? Well, I know a little bit about them. And so then, they, then Henry Louis Gates just traces these people's ancestry back as far as they can possibly go. And they learn things about their grandparents and about their great-grandparents and how their great-grandparents were. Their great-great-granddad came from Estonia because he was persecuted. And he came by himself when he was 11 on a ship through Ellis Island and he met your great-great-grandmom in a tenement house in Manhattan and just all the courage and the bravery and the harrowing life and the dangerous things and what people withstood and they just cry and cry and cry about it, about it. The, um, you know, my dad, my, the story of my family was always that my granddad was, a, and his mom, my great-grandmom, were abandoned by my great-granddad, and he was in, from Cornwall in England, and he had left them for some woman, and they, so my great-grandmom and my granddad, they just had each other, and they came to America when my granddad was 10. And, uh, and my great-grandmom was looking for my great-granddad. She was gonna kick his tail, and um, so I just got interested in it, and I started Googling it, and I just, I don't know how to do that, but all of a sudden, I found my granddad's name, and I found my great-granddad's name, <laughs> and he had died. He had died, he, he didn't leave them. He died when my granddad was eight, and I found his gravestone in a tiny cemetery, in St. Mowen in Cornwall. And I found the gravestone of my great, great granddad, Hugh. And it just, you know, but if these shepherds had been on finding your roots, they were standing on their roots. I mean, it was just like, you know, okay, so here's, uh, you're gonna be the shortest people we've ever had on the show. Uh, so your dad was a shepherd here, your granddad was a shepherd here, your great-granddad was a shepherd here, your great-great-granddad was a shepherd here, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddad was a shepherd here. That's where our records end. But, um, you know, so it's just like, some people thinking, um, It's just so boring. I'm so stuck. I have this job. I'm stuck in this job. This crummy old building alone. Bedford Falls. I hate Bedford Falls. Just got an Instagram from Sam Wainwright. He's spending Christmas in Hawaii. Awesome. I hate my boring life. It's just, some people just feel like, why do I have to go so fast? Other people feel like, why don't I ever, I don't ever get to go anywhere. And both of them hating their life. But so um, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, so this was a prophecy that was 700 years before the first Christmas, where Micah said, um, out of you, Bethlehem Ephratah, I want to specify it's that one. It's, there was a couple of them, and it was the smallest one. It was kind of like, like um, not Clinton, but South Clinton. You know, it's just, we'll come forth the one who's going forth is from old, from everlasting. Just a prophecy of the Messiah, of, that the Messiah would come 
from Bethlehem. And they don't really talk about that in the New Testament until Matthew chapter 2, when it's talking about the Magi. So lots of times you get the impression reading the Gospels that there are all these prophecies about Jesus. And, but people who were living at that moment didn't put that together. They weren't, they, you know, we wouldn't have. They weren't connecting the dots. Oh, this is happening because of that, because of what was written. I think later on they kind of put it all together. So, um, so the map, so, so the Magi came, like several months later, and they came to Bethlehem. So, and the reason that Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem is because of a prophecy they didn't, probably weren't super aware, aware of or aware of at all, but that God moved in the heart of the emperor to reorganize his tax system. It had nothing to do with anything important but more money. So that Joseph and Mary would be forced to go to Bethlehem. And that God is the God of the heart of kings and emperors and he controls everything. And the, and the star of Bethlehem, like nobody really knows exactly what it was, but there was a, an astronomer in the 1700s, 1600s, who believed that it was a conjunction of the planets Jupiter and Saturn in the Pisces, in the constellation Pisces. Um, Jupiter, apparently, to the Zoroastrians and to the Persians, was a planet that was symbolic of the ruler of the world. And Saturn was symbolic of worldwide peace. And Pisces was a constellation that stood for Palestine or Judea. And that they und and, the, and the, that constellation happened three times over the course of several months, beginning in 6 BC. And Herod, King Herod the Great, died in 4 BC. So Jesus was born, and then he was going after the babies two years old and under. So Jesus was probably born around 6 BC. And so if that's what they were following, then God would have had to set those planets and the stars in that course from day four of creation. Mm. Yeah. And so, like, just a prophecy like that, it just, it just lets you know that our God is in control of and Lord of all kings and stars in this world. Come on. And so everything is happening, like, according to according to his plan. So Joseph and Mary were in this hurry and he might have been upset about it. I don't know, and why do we always have to hurry? But there's a reason why. Um, there's a place in Philippians chapter one where Paul, who was the greatest, like this missionary, and just, I don't know if you know many missionaries, but they're usually super driven and kind of type A and they always need to go and go, go, go. And so he was in prison and but, and he didn't know how it was going to come out, but he said, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. And you're like, no, it's not the greatest thing ever. And he said, yes, it's the greatest thing ever. And it's like, well, why would you say that? And he, and he says in verse 1, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God is my dad and he's the Lord over everything. So everything that happens comes from the heart of a God who's in control of everything and he has a heart for me. So whatever happens, it must be the best thing. Yeah. So if I'm in prison, I just assume that's the best thing. 
because he loves me and he's in control of everything. So I'm going to look around and find all the reasons why this is the best thing that could have possibly happened. And he just started listing them. Just it's my being in prison. It's making people more encouraged to preach about Jesus. And so the gospel's going out more than it would if I was out. So that's a really good thing. And people that are guarding me are special police forces who are in charge of guarding the household of Caesar. I'm talking a lot about Jesus. They're getting a head full of that. They're sharing it in Caesar's living room. That could have never happened in any other way. So if it was, if God, if God, if if God has a heart of a dad for us and he's Lord and King over everything, then for Joseph and Mary to have to rush to Bethlehem must have been the best thing. And you think, well, why would that have been the best thing? And maybe it wasn't for anybody they knew. Maybe it was just for me. Because when I accepted Jesus when I was 20, I learned about how much he loved me and what he had done for me. And I had been trying to figure this out for 10 years. And, and when I understood it, I realized so for someone to love me that much, I owe my life to him. Like, I, you can't accept a love like that and not give everything you have to it. And before I committed to doing that, I needed to make sure that this was actually true. That it actually did happen, that Jesus really did die for me and rise from the dead because he loved me. And so for a year, I studied that. And the thing that convinced me most were things like, math, like Micah chapter 5. Like prophecies, that there could be, like in the Old Testament, 48 major prophecies about the Messiah, where he would be born, how he would be born, where he would grow up, how he would grow up, how he would die, and how he would rise from the dead. And somebody said, and it's all stuff, you could not make this up. I mean, nobody was in control of any of this stuff except that God was making it happen. Somebody said, if you took the eight major prophecies of the Messiah, the possibilities of one person fulfilling them is one in a hundred million billion. And so it's just like, it just super convinced me that it was true. And you think about shepherds and their boring, stupid life that never nothing ever happens and nothing ever exciting happens to us okay well that's super not true i mean they were about to see the heavens explode in a multitude of the heavenly host praising god and nobody had ever seen anything like that but they were gonna see it but you just think why was that just with that because god is a god of love and he's in control of everything why was that just the perfect group of people to welcome this hassled young couple that were having a baby in a barn well, shepherds were kind of on the outside of society and they were marginalized and they were going to go find the king of kings because they were the ones who received the news because apparently they were going to be the most welcoming people ever. Mm -hmm. And they knew that they would find the baby either in a barn or in a cave. If they didn't know that, like if you had shepherds knocking on your door at 1130 at night, saying, do you have a baby in here? People are, what are you doing? But if they're snooping around barns and caves, like who cares? And then they found the baby and they found his mom and his stepdad and they loved him and worshiped him. And they took the news home to their families, to their, to their wives and to their moms. And their mom said, do you know what they need? They don't know anyone here. Everyone they know has turned their back on them. They're going to need meals for 10 days to two weeks. And I think we can do that. As a matter of fact, I believe that was the last night 
they spin in that barn because somebody scooted over who had worshipped them and made room in their home for them. You know, I, I thought about this. I was telling guys out at the prison this week that um, we had our service out there on Wednesday. And one of the reasons why I think that shepherds were the welcoming committee, because the sheep that they shepherded were sheep that were mostly used for sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. And there's a principle in the New Testament, you find it a lot in the book of Hebrews, is that the reason Jesus understands us so well is that he's had the same experience as we have. He came down here. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to hurt himself. He knows what it's like to be, to be lonely. And sh people bond more greatly through shared experiences. I, I, we had a girl in Italy. She always wanted to be married, and she couldn't get a husband, and she was just praying about it one night and said, God, I want a husband. I'm lonely. It's lonely down here. Jesus is sitting at your right hand. Turn to your right and ask him what it feels like to be lonely. He knows, you know, and just that people bond through shared experiences. And I've always wondered, I wondered about this with Abraham and Isaac and what that was all about. But I wondered if it went the other way, that shepherds knew what it was like to know the sadness of watching your sheep and lambs go down the road knowing it was going to end in a bloody death. And God the Father, yeah, just had sent his son. And he knew that one day he was going to go down a road that would lead to a bloody death. And I just wonder if he wanted to share that moment with someone who would understand what he was feeling. I don't know if that's it, but I do know this. Over all your fears, and over all your disappointments. By faith, you can say, this is God's place for me. I'll be here for God's time. For his reasons, it's going to be okay. Lord John, Lord, we thank you. I don't know how people live without knowing these things. I don't know how they live without faith in you. I don't know how they live without knowing that the God of the universe is my dad. And the Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm not going to be bitter. Because you know what you're doing. And I trust your heart. I don't know what else it would take for you to prove it to me. It's enough. And we trust you in your precious name. Nations that long in darkness walked Have now seen a glorious light On them who dwell in shades of death The light shines heavenly bright From all the virgin's child is born The Son of God is given
tears rain shall forever 